I'm Marcus. I'm Jared. Level with us. Welcome to the fourth episode of Level With Us, where we play the same game as our audience and discuss how we thought it was. And today we're going to be talking about the indie game Overboard, made by developer Inkle. But before we can talk about what we thought, Jared, do you want to tell us what's happening? Alright, here's what's happening. In this reverse murder mystery, you play as Veronica Valenzi, an actress who got fed up with her husband and just pushed him off the side of a boat that was taking them to America. In each run, you play this game by walking to different parts of the ship, planting evidence, and finding out what people know in an effort to not get caught. Will you get away with murder? And if you do, will your husband's life insurance cover you? No matter what, there's always consequences to your choices. Thank you, Jared. Which reminds me, this is going to be a discussion of the full game, so expect full spoilers ahead. This is actually a very short game, uh, and it's best experienced fresh, so I would highly recommend that you revisit this podcast after playing the game for yourself. Uh, but I, I have been really excited to ask you, Jared. You and I have often connected over murder mysteries, generally, uh, especially kind of those warm and cozy Agatha Christie type murder mysteries. Uh, how did this hit you? What did you think? Um, yes, I, I do happen to be a fan of the genre. I like murder, too. You you can just say it. You can just say, I like murder. Okay, I like murder. Thank you. Uh, when it's done tastefully. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> I crucial. I like tasteful murder. Right. And and murder mysteries, they're not so much about the murder as much as the whodunit aspect. And I was very surprised as I played this that this very much feels like a detective game. Even though you're the murderer, you know who did it. Uh, it still feels like you're gathering evidence. You're still like tracking, okay, who saw the crime, who was where, when. And I don't know, I, I was like trying to piece together the story even though I knew what the uh, end result was. So instead, they, they kind of flip it around and the end result is, do you get away with it or not? So there's multiple different endings, you could say. Um, and yeah, yeah, so I was I was pretty surprised at how murder mystery it felt despite that twist. I've actually been listening through the book, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, or something like that, from Agatha Christie. And yeah, I was also surprised how this still feels very much like a murder mystery, because in that book, and I assume a lot of other mysteries, there's this aspect of everyone here has a secret. And so it kind of expands it past this one whodunit and more of like a, let's figure out each one of these little links. And yeah, I think this game sort of has that, where you're figuring out each of these characters' different stories. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Instead of like, what would their motive be? It's like, uh, what can I do to connect them? <laughs> what can I do to create a motive for them? Uh, which is kind of cool. It's pretty novel. Right. Yeah, so this is a game, if we haven't said it yet, where you actually primarily... Actually, not primarily. You are only selecting dialogue box choices. Usually there's an option of three, and you decide. Sometimes it's actions, like, you know, jump overboard, push them overboard, or walk away. Sometimes it's things that you say, like you can several times just admit you're guilty and, and these different things. Uh, so it's interesting. It's definitely a, a branching tree narrative where everything you say can potentially break off into different different stories. So 
Uh, did did you feel like the the choices felt like choices for you, like, or did it feel kind of restricted in that sense? I didn't feel restricted by anything. Uh, the it, it felt like any adventure game, and certainly what's going on under the hood of this game is very complex because there's so many characters that remember different things based on what you tell them or what you show them, and uh, like I said, there's multiple endings. Um, a lot of them are very similar, but different extenuating circumstances. For example, um, there's a character that may or may not show up at the uh, the end when the detective character gathers everyone together, uh, depending on what you do. Um, you can actually kill other characters, which I didn't realize uh, until a few runs in, which is kind of crazy. Oh, and also the game keeps track of time. Every action you do takes up a few minutes of time, and if uh, you're good, you can remember wh which characters will be where during what time of day. You as the player, you basically play in a time loop. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of fun to see how that plays into the where the characters are on the boat at different times. Yeah, I think the clock is like really the, the clincher for making this feel like a meaningful, complex puzzle type game. Because if it was just, you know, make dialogue choices every playthrough, then it's really just a choose your own adventure story. But the thing is with this clock, you can make decisions based on when to do what, where to go at certain times. That's right. And there's like separate ways to get the same object from certain characters, or there's separate ways to make a character uh, not talk. There's like actually different options to do that. And also crucially, like you said, I think the time limit adds a lot of replay value. I think if you could do everything in one run, then you would just do one run and wouldn't play it again. But because the game gives you objectives, like for multiple runs saying, hey, now try and do it, but learn this character's motive, or now try and do it, but have a thousand dollars in your pocket, or have a thousand pounds in your pocket when you get off the boat. Oh, I actually didn't see that one. That's cool. That That's one that hasn't popped up for me. So that's interesting because I do think I have played more playthroughs than you, Jared. Probably. Just because you, you said like you, you recently figured out that there's murder, uh, like you can do more murder. Uh, and I did one playthrough where I was able to kill every character. Wow. Um, which is actually very difficult because there are certain times when there are certain areas where there are certain people there, but you want to make sure someone else isn't there because you can't kill them when someone else is there to witness it. Like that'll... Anyway, so, so I actually had to really kind of memorize where people were at what times. My first run was a complete disaster. I was actually really enjoying my first run because I was trying to play it as much in character as possible. I was like, okay, what would Veronica do? Okay, the first thing she would do would be to throw her earring out the um, window because she, who knows where the other one is. And then she went and found the coat, uh, her husband's coat, which had money and a key in it. And so she immediately took those. Uh, I had her do her regular routine of going to breakfast and, uh, you know, just doing what was expected of her and telling people, I don't know where my husband is. I haven't seen him since last night and try and be as truthful as possible kind of. But then, uh, I, I slipped a sleeping pill into <laughs> the drink. You, you drink, uh, what's the woman's name? Uh, Mrs. H. Mrs. H. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a, a gossiping woman that, 
witnessed the crime and I found out she witnessed the crime. So I slipped a sleeping pill into my drink and then I swapped the drinks and she took a sip. And then she's like, oh, I think this is yours. And she gave it back. And I was like, okay, well, I gave her the sleeping pill so I can leave now. And so I clicked cheers. Uh, but that meant that you drink from your own glass. So I ended up drugging myself and I felt she's actually supposed to drink from twice in order for that to work, uh, which I didn't know. So I, I put in all this hard work thinking, man, I did everything great. But then I passed out. And when I woke up, they're like, yeah, you're the murderer. Bye. <laughs> so there's a lot of learning you have to do. That feels like that should be the truest narrative. Yeah, which, side note about, like, truest stories, some of the endings are bonkers, just so you know. Like... Really? Yeah, I mean... Most of mine were pretty samey. Right, well, you know, like, how in Choose Your Own Adventure books, you would occasionally flip to a random page and, like, oh, um, like, there's some really weird stuff. Uh, (laughs) There's an odd ending that happens when you murder everyone, as one might expect... Nothing good can come of that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so that there's there's a little bit of depth in, you know, kind of these interesting branching paths. But how, how about value judgments? Here, here we are talking about what it is, but how was it? I, I thought it was enjoyable, kind of short. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I feel like I mostly had my fill of it, um, but I I do like that you can dig in as much as you want and try and puzzle out every single objective that the game gives you. So conceptually, I think it was a pretty cool uh, little title. It's the kind of game where it's really the premise that you're buying. If you get it, you're buying the premise because it's a solid premise and it executes on the premise. It's a murder mystery, except you're the murderer and you try to get out of it. Like that, that is kind of the game if you just distilled it into one pitch. So if that's your jam, then it'll be your jam. So, hey, how about some star pieces? This is the part of the podcast where we get to gush, do a little bit of gushing on things we liked about the game and talk about what you guys liked too. Jared, would you like to start us off? Sure. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, I was uh, whining about the language in uh, Neo, The World Ends With You. And uh, wouldn't you know it, Overboard has a profanity filter you can click. Which, there actually isn't even that much profanity in this game, but I appreciate that it's there. And I think anything that makes a game more accessible to people is a big plus. Uh, There was some other adult stuff that I kind of wish faded to black in this game, but beggars can't be choosers. I feel like it's kind of like games that have a turn the blood off filter. Yeah, some do. Where all, all it's doing is making it more accessible to a larger audience, because... I'm pretty sure that no one is going to be offended that you can turn off blood in a game, you know? Like, you're not alienating anyone by including that as an option. So, yeah, I think it's generally nice when when you can spot that in a game. Cool star piece. What's your star piece? Uh, My star piece is the fact that you can auto-play previous choices in this game. You can just hold a button down and it'll auto-select all of the same choices within each individual scene. The reason this is my star piece is because I think this game would be extremely tedious if it did not have that. So it's not wasted on me that it's there. That makes it quite a bit easier to experiment and like say, okay, I want to get this far, but then try something different from that point. For a game where you read the same dialogue over and over, fast forwarding uh, definitely feels like a necessity. So yeah, I was, I was grateful for that as well. 
Yeah. So if anyone out there wants to throw in their star pieces, then feel free to send them our way. But of course, next comes quick jabs. Jab, 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 jab. One, two, and jab, jab. This is the part where we get to whine. We get a whine. We get to talk about our nitpicks. Uh, Jared, did you have any picks that you nicked? As they say. Um, right before we started recording this, I was playing the game, and I was trying to get one objective, and I spent at least an hour uh, without success trying to get it, and that is get a thousand pounds by by playing a card game, and uh, that was really frustrating. I <laughs> I don't mind luck based stuff, but I didn't like how much time I had to put into actually getting that objective. So. There's probably harder objectives than that in the game, but for me, that was the hardest one. So that's my quick jab. Yeah, I feel that. Uh, my quick jab was just, uh, I kind of wish that there was like an achievements page that you could see all at once. So you can kind of like go through the rungs. Oh, is there not? I don't think so. I think it's just a little blurb that pops up in the top left. Maybe that it's just that way in the Switch version, but I don't know anywhere to see oh, man. the other achievements that I've already completed. Oh, that stinks, because at the end of each run, it tells you how many escape attempts you've done or how many runs you've done. But I thought maybe on the title screen, there was like a way to view every single type of run you did. But if not, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty unfortunate. Yeah. Hey, give me two minutes and I'll double check this one second. Yeah, sure. I'll just I'll just jump overboard real quick. One, <laughs> one second. And the only options are begin again or continue. That stinks. Yeah, you know, this game does such a good job of tracking your uh, movements and your progress and what other characters think. It would have been nice if they could tell you uh, what you've done in previous runs. Um, yeah, that, that stinks. Who knows, maybe there's a secret new game plus when you get a certain ending or something. But in our experiences, that was not an aspect of the game. So, well, hey, we are moving on from The World Ends With You and discussing an indie game, but... You know what lives on in our hearts? What? The Reaper Review. It's the Reaper Review, Jared, and it's time for you to review some stuff. This is the part of the show where we're going to ask each other some questions and see who's really the the bigger nerd between the two of Although us. Although the name Reaper Review probably doesn't apply anymore since we're not talking about The World Ends With You anymore, but uh, we're keeping the name anyway, so... Marcus, you uh, you did very well last time. We tied, if you remember correctly. So uh, I'm ready for you. Hit me with your best shot. All right. Earlier in our discussion, you said that you had an achievement to make 1,000 pounds before the end of your trip. It sounds like you think that gambling is the only place you can get money. M maybe you don't think that, but I'm about to find out. Name two other places you can get money on the ship. Not counting the wallet. Uh... The only way I figured out, <laughs> well, this is probably why I had such a hard time making money is because I thought it, you could only get it by taking it from your deceased husband's wallet and gambling with it. Uh-huh. So I literally have no idea. A lot of characters mentioned that the diamond earrings are worth a lot. So I'm going to take a wild guess and say you can sell those to someone um, and make some money. Uh, and then the other one, I'm just going to say, if you play it right, the life insurance kicks in. So you get money that way, too. Final answer. Um, not quite. Oh man. The other two ways are 
One, instead of putting money in the alms bowl, if you go there after someone else has visited, you can take money out of the alms bowl in the chapel. From the chapel area. That's right. The other one is you can, instead of saying don't come in to the initial bellboy, you can say come in, kill him, and then he has 200 in his pocket. I can understand why maybe you didn't do this because it's morbid. I never saw that option. How do you kill him? You clobber him with the paperweight on your desk. Wow. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I I definitely didn't play this game as much as you. (laughs) Well done. So, Marcus, uh, any wild guesses as to what this game is rated? Is it not T? It is T. Do you know what it's rated in Europe? Not T. Well, Well, no, because they don't use the ESRB up there. They do the PEGI system. And uh, this game is actually Peggy 18, which is kind of more equivalent to an M-rated game over here. There are some M-rated games here that are Peggy 16 over there. Uh, But this game was not Peggy 18 originally when it came out in Europe. Only very recently did it become Peggy 18. It It switched ratings after release. Why do you think that is? It uses the B word. It has an affair in it. And it talks bad about the British. (laughs) No, that is incorrect. The answer is something we've been talking about this entire episode. And that is that the game teaches gambling. Oh. Very recently, the Peggy criteria was changed so that all games, including existing games that, quote, teach and or glamorize the use of games of chance that are played and carried out as a traditional means of gambling will be rated Peggy 18. Kind of, you know, kind of to protect kids from kind of stumbling into that, which I think is very interesting. And funnily enough, this means that Pokemon Red and Blue, if they get a re-release, will be <laughs> Peggy 18. You're absolutely right. I, I think there, there might be some way around it, but basically... Um, if those games were released today, they would be Peggy 18, which is really interesting. So, you know, I feel, I feel like that question was fair. I got it very wrong, but the information was in front of me. I could have gotten it right. I learned a thing. I think that was a very good question, Jerry. Thank you. Sorry. I didn't give you multiple choice. I usually do, but I didn't want to go easy on you this time. I could probably have guessed it if it was multiple choice, because I do remember hearing about these, uh, recent kind of our loot boxes, gambling discussions in video games. So, right. Yeah. So we got one more segment and that's rabbit holes. It's a part of the show where we get to talk about whatever we want to talk about. Jared, what rabbit holes have you been into this week? Um, so, you know, I like the game magic, the gathering. I, uh, pl- I used to play it quite a bit a couple years ago. Um, I haven't really kept up with it recently, but they just announced that there's going to be a Lord of the Rings set, and that makes me very excited. Uh, It doesn't come out till like 2023, I think. But for my rabbit hole this week, I just wanted to read off my wish list for that set. (laughs) So uh, first of all, I want a Gandalf card that is two-sided and switches from gray to white. Absolutely. I also want a two-sided golem that like frequently flips. Um, uh, I want all the, you know, the basics, orcs are red, ents are green, but the biggest thing I want, and I don't know if they're going to do this. I'm, I'm, I feel like they're not. Um, I really want as many named characters as possible. And you might be thinking, oh, well, of course they'll do that. You know, there's lots of characters to choose from. Well, there is, but 
Magic has a rule that in order to have multiple cards in the same deck, they have to have a non-unique name, which means if you have a named character, they have to be a legendary creature, which is a rule they added in that you can only have one on the field at a time, which again makes sense, but that also limits how many legendary creatures they are, are because they're always rares or mythic rares. All I'm trying to say is I really want to have lots of named characters. Make them make legendary creatures uncommon or just get rid of the legendary rule. I want to have the thrill of opening a booster pack and not knowing whether I'm going to get Boromir or Farmer Maggot. I, I, Cause there will already, there's already plenty of races, right? Like there'll be trolls and Nazgul's and Gondorian soldiers and Ents, but I want lots of named characters, not just the fellowship. I want Eowyn. I want Elrond. I want Tom Bombadil. Uh, that's, that's what's been on my mind lately. Yeah. I, I think that you are joined by many people in hoping this better be good. <laughs> Well, I've been listening to a podcast that Jared has heard me mention several times before, The Adventure Zone by the McElroy Brothers. So this is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. It's an actual play podcast, which is a poppin' genre nowadays. And I enjoy it a lot, even though it's kind of like equal parts comedy and like some actual story in there. Uh, I've really been enjoying this new season, which takes place in an underwater city, and I, I, I like kind of those unique settings that feel uh, fairly new or, or take things in a new direction. So it's pretty good. What What's the premise in a nutshell about this underwater city? Yeah, so m- magical world and the magic kind of has pollution as part of it. So they've kind of wrecked their world. And then uh, some people hear a voice that says, when kingdoms fall, the sea provides a home for all beneath the tides. So there's this idea of like a whole bunch of people are like, okay, how do we get down there? And then they create a city and now they're in a place called the Ether Sea where there's a bunch of weird stuff. And I assume that the the larger plot might deal with like the gods that created magic in the world or something. I'm sure it'll balloon out, but right now it's just people living under the sea because everything else is garbage. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for this discussion on Overboard. Uh, if you have any thoughts about the show or just want to reach out, you can email us at levelwithuspodcast at gmail.com or you can post a comment on the video. Oh, Jared, do you want to tell us what game we're playing next week? Yeah, uh, we are going to do WarioWare Get It Together. So if you want to toss in your two cents, just message us like Marcus said. Sweet. Well, hey, we'll see you next week. But until then, I'm Marcus. I'm Jared. And we'll level with you next time. Some of the music you heard here can also be heard in the game Overboard and exists in the public domain. This includes Main Stem, Kelly's Number, Stardust, and Bayou Farewell by the U.S. Army Blues. You also heard the Banshee Gravel Walks and the Old Copper Plate by Slancha. All other original music was composed by Marcus. Thanks, Marcus. But learn this character's motive for... and on motorcycle. <laughs> Is now a good time to tell people that if they invest $1 into our Patreon, they'll be put into a raffle where they could win $2? You can say it, but then you would be a liar. (laughs) Cool. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for this discussion about Overwatch.
No, wrong. Try again. Th- thanks to everyone for joining us in this discussion of Overcooked 2. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the same game. I like the murder in this. Yeah. I love watching you die inside thinking about editing this.